Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, we're here this evening for our last match week review of the season, match week 34. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to be uh, dining in to what basically happened on Saturday uh, in, in the Bundesliga last games of the season. Before we get into any of that, gents, how are we doing? Um, obviously, uh, me and Mark kind of know that we're kind of recovering from from Saturday's uh, adventures. Peter, <laughs> how, how did you find uh, Saturday's action? Well, I'm good and exhausted. Um, as I was mentioning to you before the broadcast, I also was covering the Zweite and the uh, Dritte Bundesliga conclusions for Bully News this weekend, uh, in addition to writing that mammoth column on all the simultaneous kickoffs. So, yeah, we're tired. And uh, I'll <clears throat> plagiarize a little bit from Mark and say that yeah, we didn't quite get the results that we wanted. All three of us predicted that Dortmund would win the title last week, and all three of us are, have been proven incorrect. So that is very much the case. Uh, I imagine you're a little bit disappointed as well, gents, are you not? Yeah, to say the least, really. Yeah, I think uh, we, we all hoped, you know, we all, we all thought it was what the Bundesliga uh, Republic wanted. You know, I think everybody was ready for a new champion and it seemed like the stage was set. You know, I think uh, everybody thought it was a, a shoe in. Obviously, Bellingham picking up that knock in the, the run up to the match didn't exactly help, did it? Let's be honest. But everybody thought they'd still have more than enough against a mind side who didn't have that much to play for, really. But yeah, I think for me, I, I woke up on Sunday morning. I, I'll be honest, I was pretty gutted, really. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, um, it was. It was a hot, well. It was enjoyable because all nine games were happening at the same time. Pretty much, well, every game had something riding on it, um, and yeah, uh, the the last <laughs> the last ten minutes or so were so were so yeah. tense. It was yeah, at times it was a hard watch, but you know, lo and behold, first and foremost, we have to say congratulations to Bayern for for collecting yet another um, Bundesliga title. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know they they did the business on on the last day of the season and that that is ultimately what wins your titles uh the Musiala goal but anyway we'll come into all of that um before we do get going i can see there's a few comments in the chat already um just to say uh please do smash a like on this video uh obviously as looking back at uh, match week 34 comment along as we've already seen a few people doing uh, make sure you smash that subscribe button and enjoy all the end of season content uh, that we've still got to come. We may well be doing some of the, the playoff match between uh, my dearest VFB and uh, and Hamburg, as well as a couple of the end of season shows, which are always good fun. Uh, and also just to note, you know, we're still in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes, fantastic company that have been with us for a long time now and throughout this journey. And um, please do make sure you check them out on Twitter, as well as Bully News, who have been with us uh, also for a long time. And, and thanks to Runa and co, who've been helping us out with the fantasy football show, uh, which obviously came to a climax. We weren't able to do as many as we wanted to towards the end of the season, but it was fantastic fun as well this season. So just a nod to all those parties uh, involved uh, right then, gents. We're gonna we're gonna do this in order. So we'll do title race. Then we'll talk a little bit about the relegation race. Then, of course, we'll come to top four, um, in which obviously all the games were happening at the same time uh, simultaneously. If we're starting with the title race, um, this 
it kind of didn't flip flop as much as some of the other um, perhaps results during the day because obviously uh, Bayern went ahead very early on uh, thanks to a very fine Kingsley Corman strike uh, after being set up by Leroy Sane um, that put Bayern in control of their well of their game and their three points that they wanted to collect. Um, at the same time, in Dortmund, Mines uh, not long after took the lead, and and then obviously, if we then concentrate now or for now on the Dortmund game, because probably the game that had the most well, I say the most things happening, but there's certainly a, a fair amount going on late in the buying game. Um, first off, reactions to the two Mines goals, chaps. Um, Two well-worked goals, set-piece, Stormont being punished at the near post, and then a good counter by Mines, good curled cross by Lee, uh, put away by Onisiwo, uh, who had completed uh, 10 Bundesliga goals for the season. I think it's the first time he's ever done that, so congrats to him on a fine season. And that put Dortmund behind the eight ball somewhat, Mark. And, uh, well, I mean, we were watching it. It was uh, It was hard for them to come back into it after that. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to Mainz, first of all. I mean, they came out firing. They they obviously both Svensson's men. We, we talked a lot about their motivation going into the game. They had absolutely nothing to play for at all. Even Conference League was off the cards. But obviously, both Svensson had said to his men, you know, this is your chance to be party poopers, so to speak. And that's exactly what they did, you know. And people will remember them for that. I mean, it's been a fantastic season for Mainz, by the way, and credit to them. But yeah, this was maybe one of their kind of crowning glories, really, the fact they did stop Dortmund from winning the title. And uh, yeah, unfortunately for everyone else. But yeah, as you say, Onisivo was amazing in the early parts of the game. He was fantastic. You know, the first goal, I mean, they've got to be preventing that ultimately. It's just straight from a corner. I mean, the likes of Sula just gets completely lost. And like, obviously, Olsen just manages to kind of sneak that header into the near corner. You know, we, we've talked about Dortmund not defending corners well pretty much throughout the season, especially in the Hinrunder, that was a problem. And it struck again just at the one moment that you didn't want it to. And obviously that combined with the early goal in Köln as well for Bayern, I mean, that's just, wow, that's brutal. You know, within 15 minutes, you've already got Bayern winning and Dortmund losing. So you already need a turnaround just after 15 minutes. And the Seb Haller moments, I mean, ah. Oh, yeah, we, we've talked in recent weeks how good he's been. You know, he's been the talisman in recent weeks. And, you know, he's really shown his quality. He's brought other players into into play. And uh, obviously, he, he couldn't put the penalty away. It was a good save by Darman, but he, you've got to be putting those chances away. And then, obviously, the second goal through Onisivo, which was almost saved as well. It just kind of kissed the post on the way in. I think I said to you, Rory, on the watch long, I just said, Edin Terzic at halftime is going to think, please, like if he could turn back time 45 minutes, he would have done it then. And if he had one chance in his life to turn back 45 minutes, he would have given back that first 45 in this game. I mean, Adiemi going off injured as well. It, yeah. it was just a catastrophe that first half, truly. But, and that's ultimately what cost him the title for me, really, that first half, really. Yeah, um, Peter, we'll come to you on this because obviously... Um, Nice to have your thoughts on how Dortmund tried to get themselves back into the game. Obviously, they weren't able to call upon Jude Bellingham. Um, obviously, if he was fit enough, I'm sure he would have dragged himself onto the pitch. 
Um, the substitutions that Edin Terzic did make, uh, some were more effective than others. I think Gio Reyna and, and Duranville did make a, a difference when they came off the bench and it, it added a bit more, um, well, directness. Uh, they, were taking, they were taking their men on, beating men, uh, getting in and around the penalty area a lot more. Um, but unfortunately for Dortmund, uh, it was a little bit too little too late. Uh, indeed. Well, I, I thank you for bringing up uh, Gio and, and Duranville because I thought that they were both quite impressive uh, off yeah. the bench. And uh, that's a good sign for Dortmund's future. And they do have a future. We can get into why they have a future, um, how Bayern are still on the ropes and in administrative disarray uh, as well. You know, this was not a match in which I believe that Dortmund played especially poorly. Uh, of course, you have a missed penalty. Um, there was some slight controversy. I believe Guerrero was body checked in the box by Martin. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, which could have potentially been a penalty as well. Um, I thought that the substitutions were effective. I thought that Rafael Guerrero and what is his farewell match uh, played absolutely brilliantly. Um, I thought, uh, with the exception of some of the defending in the box on the on the goals, Khan, uh, Hummels, and, and Sude were were absolutely fantastic. Uh, they were facing a very very good Mainz side, <clears throat> uh, one without Rudovic uh, Ajorke, who was uh, I believe suspended for this one, but also did not start last week. Um, but uh, Onisiwo uh, was just excellent on the counter. Um, of course, I mean you saw that there were many counters that Mainz could have finished off to, to polish the game off. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, you know, Lee or, or potentially Kua uh, uh, didn't quite have the finishing quality. But, I mean, it was a good team. Uh, uh, Svensson had his preferred midfield duo back in place, uh, Barrero, and one of my personal favorite players to, to uh, have a nickname for, Dominic Hard Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> playing with the face mask and <laughs> uh, Stach, as we've mentioned, we've mentioned Stach so many times uh, 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 this season, um, particularly when he's playing a more advanced role. Sometimes it hasn't always worked out, but on this day, I think he played particularly well. Uh, substitutions were solid, you know, bringing on uh, Yusuf Mukoko for um, Marius Wolf at the, at the half, having Mukoko work as a short striker, moving Guerrero back to, to left back. Uh, you know, I mean, it, you can't help but call it a choke, uh, you know, particularly in light of the missed penalty. Um, but it was a gut-wrenching uh, match uh, to watch them lose, uh, considering the fact that uh, they played well for, for large portions of it. I mean, it was very much a match of patterns. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Svensson was sort of in a Katanasio uh, <laughs> bolt lock for the second half. So all they could really do was just keep lofting these crosses into the box. And there were too many minds bodies for, for it to be effective. Hummels missed several good chances towards the end. Uh, but you were asking a lot of him to time his headers perfectly in those in those various instances. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll say something about Bellingham. He was <laughs> the team's biggest cheerleader. There was an early injury timeout where Bellingham was, uh, was uh, you know, throwing water bottles uh, to yeah, every pitch uh, if you caught that. <laughs> And uh, I think that, you know, everybody was in tears afterwards. Bellingham uh, famously pushed the broadcast camera away uh, so that it wouldn't film him, it wouldn't document him being in tears. Uh, Dortmund's course now is, is probably very clear. 
Um, you know, Bellingham, I, I don't see him playing for, for Dortmund uh, ever again. Uh, you know, this is their opportunity. They absolutely must sell him in this transfer window for some 120 million euros and, uh, and secure their, their future and, and mm -hmm. hopefully leapfrog Bayern financially. So, uh, as I was saying at the beginning of this uh, rant of mine, uh, you know, I, uh, Dortmund do have a future. Um, they have a very, very bright future. Uh, despite what happened this weekend, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and maybe that's something that we can come to when we do our team season reviews uh, a little bit later on in, in the weeks to come and, and stuff like that. But if we're just reflecting on match week 34, then I think there's already yeah been some chat uh, in, in the comments section from Balan, from from the uh, DN. NY, presumably Danny, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the choke, the choke was well, wasn't inevitable. But after the two nil scoreline, it was fairly inevitable what what was going to happen. Um, but you know, they Dortmund kept on going till the end, didn't they? The, the Schuler goal, uh, obviously deflection in mind. He did very well to bring it down, actually, to make it to make it two two. But after that, um, in the madness that was ensuing, I can't remember another clear-cut chance after the Sula goal. I think they had pretty much run out of time mm. uh, by then. And if we then kind of um, skip over to where the Bayern players were watching, they were watching on um, a, a player's phone, I think, at the end on the pitch in Kern, Um, obviously where they had just about done the business in what was... Um, a match where Köln match, uh, matched them up quite well for a good period of, of the match and, and were good on, on the counter. Well, and just matched up with Bayern in general, I would say. Um, obviously, Bayern thought they had got a crucial second goal just before half-time. Uh, a, a good bit of play by Gnabryan, uh, which released Leroy Sané, and he finished very aptly with his left foot curling it inside the near post. And you're thinking, right, well, 2-0 Bayern half-time, 2-0 Dortmund losing half-time. You know, we're already done and dusted. But lo and behold, they they go back for the uh, for the handball. So I think that was fairly given uh, or taken away from Bayern, meaning it was still only 1-0. And, and as the game developed, obviously, again, maybe nerves to a certain extent from Bayern. Uh, I presume they would have known at half-time the scoreline in Dortmund. So it kind of works either way around. But... Uh, even with the suspect, I'd say suspect, I've seen it a few times now, the, the handball. be interesting to hear what you both think uh, when we come to this, uh, which obviously led to the to the leveller on 81 minutes. A little like then, uh, Dortmund was somehow going to do it, despite the fact that they were losing. I think it obviously then would have been 2-1. They were losing at the time, but because of the draw, they would have won it by a point. Uh, lo and behold, um, Köln were lost the ball high up. I think it was Shabot, maybe, uh, and then I can't remember exactly who it was. Was it Sane who had the first chance? So he was denied first and foremost. A great save um, to keep it one-one. Then the ball is recovered, comes out to Musiala, spins on it, and and does what he does best and scores the biggest goal of his of his young career um, to send obviously the away fans into into rapturous celebration. I mean, as a game, I suppose, chaps, we're not trying to review their entire season right now, but Bayern again, just, you know, they just got over the line, but that that's something that 
they are just used to. Uh, they were presented with the chance and they took it simple as Mark and they've ended up winning the league title on goal difference. Um, yeah, amazing scenes for Bayern and, well, what else can you say? But they just know how to get it done. Yeah, I think in many ways it was a, a case that it summed up Bayern Munich's season, really. You know, I mean, the uh, they, they almost managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, even for about the 20th time this season, really. You know, it's been such a topsy-turvy race, hasn't it? And obviously Dortmund were trailing for long, long periods of that match, pretty much until right at the end when the game was pretty much irrelevant anyway. But like Bayern looked like they were in control of that match for the first half. I thought they played a really good first half. They were a bit unlucky with that Sané disallowed goal. You know, the, the first goal was real quality, by the way, as well. The come on strike. That was a beautiful goal. You know, I think I said to you on the watch along, Rory, that they needed that early goal just to settle the nerves and put the pressure on Dortmund. And it worked. It definitely worked because uh, 15 minutes after that, Dortmund were 2-0 down. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we can safely say that worked. But their game management was poor again, really, for Bayern, to be honest. And, you know, they, they didn't get that second goal. And in the end... For me, it, it is a bit of a soft penalty, but, you know, the the second half of the Bundesliga, we've seen a lot more of them given, really, in recent weeks, the handballs, haven't we? So it kind of does go in line with what we've seen recently. You know, if you're a Bayern fan, you're furious. You know, you're just thinking it's not going to be our year when they give that penalty. Obviously, it's really well put away by Lubacic. And, yeah, at that point, again, it looks like maybe Köln can grab onto a point and then stay, uh, you know, win the title. But... To be honest, we've not seen a lot of classic Bayern Munich this season, but that the the late goal was classic Bayern Munich. Basically, you know, they punished the Dortmund draw. They did get the result that they need, and they win the title on goal difference. But you know, the scenes that we see after the match with Salihamidzic and Khan sacked just a few—I think it was a matter of minutes actually, officially after the after the full time result—that that shows what the Bayern Munich board there is saying basically is that yes, you won the title. But that was not good enough at all this season, basically. You know, they failed to win 13 games. Even a lot of the wins have been unconvincing, to say the least, you know. And this game also was unconvincing. But, you know, scrappy wins away at Freiburg when they didn't really create very much. You know, there's been so many instances where it's not really been good enough from buying this season. But they have won the title. They shouldn't have been able to win the title. There's no question about that. But they have managed to do it. And, you know, it is 11 out of 11, you know, 11 straight years. But basically what the buying board have done, there, for me, the reason why they fired them so soon after full time is to show, yes, we're champions, but that was not good enough, basically. Yeah. I just want to pick up on a comment from uh, that's in the chat already. And it's something I'll throw to you, Peter. Uh <laughs> And I'll just bring it up on screen now. So um, German soccer getting damaged with the, with Bayern keep on winning the league, uh, such as the TV deal. Um, I, I definitely say so. With the first place team getting around ninety million, and then the last place team, uh, I think it goes on here, getting around thirty million euros. You can't expect to have a competitive league at any point. Um, I, you know, and the competitiveness of the Bundesliga. It's been a conversation that myself and Mark have had on, on shows before in Q&A shows. And, and is it damaging for the Bundesliga that buy and keep on winning and, and things like that? So coming straight back to that point, Peter, I think it's quite an interesting one that, again, we've had conversations about previously. But just wanted to pick up on that and maybe get your, your thoughts on that and we can get a response in, in return uh, in terms of the comment that's come in as well. Um, 
Well, the, the new TV deal, which was negotiated in uh, 2020, does make things a little bit more equitable uh, in terms of uh, revenue distribution. I've written many, many articles on that. Those are the kind of articles that don't get a lot of hits, but I enjoy writing them anyway. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you work for a site, you know, you get to write your nice little nerdy niche articles. And every so often you got to take one for the team. You know, like, ah, here, Christ, here's another, you know, transfer rumor that I have to uh, to write about. That's probably never going to happen. But um, I think the, the TV deal that Christian Seifert, who was a very competent uh, uh, chief executive uh, officer of the uh, of the DFL for for 16 years, uh, negotiated did make things a little bit more equitable. Um, we were talking a little bit last week about the um, the new um, investor uh, model that uh, Hans yep. Joachim Watzke wanted to introduce. Uh, he was joined by, among others, Dirk Zingler, the president of Union Berlin. Uh, and the two of them were trying to spin off a 12% uh, share in the corporation for the DFL, which runs the two top football flights, uh, and make it ready for a uh, investment firm, one that was to bid for it. Uh, BlackRock was, was, you know, there were several U.S. Uh, investment firms that were looking into it. That measure was defeated uh, in large part because of the opposition from Christian Keller, uh, the chief of sporting executive of FC Kern, who recently ascended to the board. Um, you know, uh, I think that this very well may be the last buy untitled. And I, I based some of the reasoning, I talked about a lot of technical things. Uh, I based some of the reasoning for that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you recall when I talked about how Dortmund need to liquefy some of their assets. I hate to think of players yeah. as as assets, but, you know, that's that's the way that it is. I mean, they are human beings, but uh, they need to liquefy. Uh, uh, saying the words liquefy Jude Bellingham makes me feel a little dirty. I don't know why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have to um, they have to get him sold so that they can uh, get 100 plus million or so in, in the coffers uh, and then spend it smartly under a, an executive like Sebastian Kehr. Mm -hmm. um, there are other clubs uh, in the league um, who have plenty of financial backing. Uh, unfortunately, these are not necessarily clubs that Germans would like to see win the title. They are the company clubs, uh, Leipzig, Wolfsburg and Leverkusen. Uh, but they're not hurting for cash. They can spend competitively to compete with, uh, with Bayern München. Um, I think that, you know, when you, when you talk about... 11 straight years of a title. Naturally, this is disappointing. <laughs> Think of the younger generation who have never known another champion uh, of outside of Bayern. This is not something that, we, that we're necessarily happy about. Um, but we're still, Germans remain very, very proud of their league. Um, the new t the TB deal that Seifert negotiated brings a lot of extra money into German football and it brings it a larger range and, and a larger global audience. Uh, and the new TV deal, which is, that's one of the reasons that the DFL sacked uh, their, their former boss, Hopfen, because she wasn't, she was dragging her feet on negotiating the new one. There's a new one uh, uh, due to be negotiated this year, um, which they will, which will be more equitable and will pump more money into German football. I'd have to say on balance, I was not necessarily happy to see the, uh, the measure, the investor model measure defeated. Uh, last Wednesday, because I thought it would have been good for German football. I thought that 
just simply spinning off a portion of the corporation that runs German football, bringing a little bit of extra money in, distributing it fairly. They had a they had a, a great plan to you know particularly bolster youth academies of, of various clubs. Um, I think Germans are sometimes a little bit too paranoid uh, when it comes to change, and that's the case in football. That's the case when it comes to uh, you know, cookies on websites or, you know, giving your personal data away or, you know, actually as a Stuttgart fan, you can, you can recall the, the data affair. Germans can sometimes be a little bit too averse to change, uh, you know, and when we do try to implement changes in German football, 50 plus one is sacred. This is absolutely sacred. We're not getting rid of 50 plus one. We have guardrails in to protect it in every last reform that we have. Um, so I think that's that to that vote in Frankfurt this week maybe bothers me a little bit more than than Bayern winning the 11th title because it was still an exciting season that came down to the last day. Um, I think we could, we have a lot to look forward to next season. And if I'm going to draw one positive out of out of Bayern's victory, I'm very, very happy that Jamal Musiala, who has been in dreadful form ever since the world cup and 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 his uh, you know confidence has been shaken i'm glad that he got a chance uh to be the hero uh because he did select us over england <laughs> <to play for. laughs> so, hopefully i haven't put everybody to sleep with this but i mean I, I i offer my opinions on on some of the reforms that are going on in german football and i think that there will be more you're not going to get me to say that my league isn't the best league in Europe, or that my league isn't the the uh, uh, you know <clears throat> doesn't deserve it. That's I'm I'm sorry I, I'm a German. That's my that's national pride. It's it's something my Bundesliga is something I'm I'm equally as proud of as as you know Schnitzel and Pomfritz and uh, Thomas Wolfweiss <laughs> and <laughs> and and yeah. everything else that that is that is pure. Germanness. So, Schweiny Brown's better though. Yes. Right? Oh, uh, <laughs> you're in Bavaria. <laughs> or Schäufele. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, interesting <clears throat> to get your thoughts on that, Peter. Uh, appreciate that. And it was a really good point, actually, in the comments as well. So, thank you very much for, for raising that. Um, I, I also do tend to think that change would be good for the Bundesliga in that it's fairly inevitable in the, in the sense of investment, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, long have we had the odd discussions about how the Bundesliga as a league might change. So, like, the top four do a playoff and all that kind of jazz. But I think that's, you know, that's not the direction that the Bundesliga needs to be going into. Mm. But again, interesting to have the conversation um, and kind of talk about that. But alas... We'll revert back to match week 34 and, and we'll kind of now uh, digress to the bottom end uh, of the league, which had um, a lot of permutations uh, possible before the start of play, uh, to which, you know, is very exciting and, and a good day for some and a bad day for others, which obviously led to, to Schalke being automatically relegated back to the Spider Bundesliga, um, despite their fine, fine efforts um, in the Rook Runda, in the extended Rook Runda, uh, they couldn't quite get past the hot-stepping RB Leipzig side. Um, 
just just starting with this game particularly, chaps, and we'll kind of move move through the the gears afterwards. Um, I mean, for Schalke to go two nil down and, and then bring it back against Leipzig in the first place to get back to two two, although the the second goal was completely <laughs> completely gifted to them by the very generous uh, Willy Orban. Um, you know, it just shows how far they had come uh, because you know. This was a team that were relegated a long, long time ago in our kind of eyes uh, when we went to the uh, World Cup break, particularly. But, you know, came up against a, again, an inspired Christopher Nkunku who wanted to put on a show uh, before he left um, the Bundesliga shores as well. So there were quite a few goodbyes um, for lots of big and important players of the Bundesliga. But Mark... Um, obviously, we were watching it unfold, and we were thinking when it back when it went two two. Particularly, you're thinking, "Wow!" I mean, Schalke get the next goal here; they're gonna they're gonna jump above my boys and relegate Stuttgart. So, incredible effort, but just falling short on the day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was a great effort from Schalke, but I, I always said it was going to be a monumentous task to defeat this. Uh, probably, in my opinion, the form team of the Bundesliga in the last seven, eight weeks, probably RB Leipzig. Congratulations to Christopher Nkunku, by the way. He managed to uh, share the top score as well with that last-minute goal. Uh, obviously, a really nice chip over uh, the goalkeeper for the fourth goal, which obviously effectively sealed Schalke's fate. But it also ended with a, well, I would say a deserved share of the, uh, the top scorer because, you know, he's been brilliant the last three years in the Bundesliga. He deserves... You know, to go down in history. Uh, obviously, Nicole Fulkrug wasn't particularly happy because obviously he missed a lot of games injured. And then, you know, that oh, so last second goal effectively um, stopped him from winning it outright. But he still also gets a share of the prize as well. So congratulations to them. But yeah, as for Schalke, I mean, it, it was such a sad story, really, you know, the whole season because, you know, they fought so well under Thomas Rice, but just injuries, injuries again to the defence, you know, Mercedes, Jens, he was mm-hmm. so good, wasn't he, for so long, but he ended up getting injured again, although his replacement, Kaminsky, did get them back into this game, to be fair, so congratulations mm-hmm. to him, but I think I was saying to you, Rory, that basically at 2 all with about 20 minutes to go, basically Schalke have to push to win the game. You know, at that time, they knew that basically they couldn't get out of the bottom three, but a winning goal would relegate Stuttgart at the time. But it was always going to be hard because there's just too much quality in this RB Leipzig side who, you know, I can really see winning the Bundesliga next year, Leipzig. I really can. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. Obviously, Yusuf Poulsen, we've not seen that much of him this season, but he's a bit of a cult hero, really, at Leipzig. Obviously, he's been with them since the lower leagues, the Danish international. You know, he got probably his biggest moment of the season, really, uh, scoring the winning goal in this match. Yeah, that was obviously the end of them. They, they couldn't come back at that point. But I, I still think, I, I hope that Schalke keep Thomas Rice. I really do. Whether he wants to stay at the club, I, I don't think there's been any specific information about that. But for me, I think they should keep him. I think he is a good manager. He's shown that. You know, we saw it at Bochum last year when he had them comfortably in mid-table. And we've seen it again the second half of this season in the runder with Schalke. You know, I just think they got a bit unlucky. I think if they'd have had Mercedes Jens for the whole of these 19 games, he'd probably have stayed up, to be honest. You know, I think Sepp Vandenberg has done pretty well too. You know, I think... It's just been injuries, too many injuries, too many suspensions. And that's ultimately what, uh, obviously, Kraus was also missing as well in this game. He's a key player for them, the, the ex-FC Nuremberg clubber. 
Yeah, I just think it, you know, they were very unlucky, I would say that much about Schalke. The, the Hinrunders relegated them. I think there's a lot of positives they can take. They're probably going to lose some key players. You know, I think Kral has been linked with Union Berlin. I think it was actually right. Kral, so they could potentially lose him. He's been really good in the second half of the season. You know, maybe Peter's favourite, Henning Matriciani, might end up leaving. because he was He's become like a cult hero in the Bundesliga this second half of the year. I mean, like he's come from absolutely nowhere to put in some brilliant, brilliant performances over the second half, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted Schalke to stay up, you know, in my opinion, they're one of the biggest clubs in Germany, probably one of the big four or five clubs in Germany. I would like, have liked to see them stay up, but unfortunately it is going to be a second relegation in three years for the uh, Kings Blue. Yeah, but unfortunately, yeah, what more can you say, you know, unlucky Schalke, but... Maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so if, if we then jump one place up before the start of play, so uh, VFL Balkum uh, were given or had uh, a tough test as well, hosting by a Leverkusen. Uh, however, their task was made somewhat easier uh, thanks to the outburst by Amin Adli uh, early on this contest to really... Uh, you know, turn the tide in, in Balkum's favour with that kick out uh, to which he received a straight red card. Uh, I think Leverkusen have had quite a lot of red cards this season. I think that was the second for Adley this season as well. Um, but anyway, so they still had to do a job, you know, versus 10 men and, and they did so aptly um, and, you know, got, got the goals at important stages during the match as well. Uh, to, to obviously see see Leverkusen off three 0 in the end and, and push them, you know, high, higher up the league. Uh, and again, a, a fine effort from this, Peter. I mean, Leverkusen is a tough, um, you know, a tough opponent. Eleven men or ten men, but I mean, Balkum's yeah test or you know situation was made somewhat easier by that moment of madness basically well interesting to note that uh most of our relegation predictions from last week uh did actually end up uh, coming true i think all of us picked the Schalke to to <clears throat> occupy the second automatic relegation slot based on the fact that entering the match day uh, against leipzig they stood very little chance uh we i think all tips bochum to stay up my prediction that Augsburg would be in the playoff place at uh, on 34 points came also very close to being true. <laughs> had, had your uh, Swabians, had your boys only uh, scored a, uh, an extra goal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think tactically, uh, uh, actually, Chabi didn't do a very good job compensating for for Oddly's red. Um, and and of course, Oddly's red was a was a silly fire. You guys remember when we were talking about Oddly getting the two reds for or getting the two bookings for diving, uh, and then uh, VAR taking those back that crazy match against Bayern. Yeah, um, say twenty five. That was uh, so that was one of the, the craziest occurrences of the season. Actually, the the match that ended up costing Julian Nagelsmann his job, mm-hmm. uh, which went on which defined the season uh, in in such a, a, a huge way. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we expected Bochum to win at home. The red card came in the ninth minute. Uh, Alonso's reordering, tactical reordering, I think, was was totally false. And that's the reason that, uh, that Bochum were able to capitalize and, and do so. Um, there's an interesting thing to note about Leverkusen. Uh, a lot of people may not know this. 
um, they are not automatically qualified for the Europa League place uh, based on the table. Because if mm -hmm. Frankfurt win the Pokal uh, next weekend, the uh, Leverkusen will be bumped down to the Conference League. Uh, so Chabi was mentioning in his uh, in his press conference that he's a 100% Leipzig fan next week. <laughs> Leipzig to win uh, in order to hang on to the Europa League uh, spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, disappointing finish to the season uh, from Leverkusen, but they made it all the way back up from where they were at the break. And we predicted as much, uh, Mark and I did, when we did the first show of the calendar year, based on the fact that with Florian Wirtz, uh, uh, it's, it's, an, it's an entirely different team. So that's all there is to say about that. I think we covered everything except for why Stuttgart didn't score a second goal, which, Rory, I, I, that is your department. Uh, you have to. <sighs> yeah, well, again, if, if we're kind of talking about perfectly summarizing seasons, uh, that also kind of makes uh, the, the statement about why the Stuttgart not score another goal. Um, the reason why they are in the, the relegation playoff spot, uh, they've not offered enough going forwards uh, for long periods of the season. Uh, when you take Girassi out of the side, uh, it looks entirely blunt. Obviously, Furyk was given the nod from uh, from the start because of his impact off the bench uh, in Mainz, uh, obviously in a fine performance that he put on. Um, but also maybe think that the kind of his energy might have been best suited to again be that impact player, whereas Thiago Tomas this time was the impact player because he got the goal. Um, although it was maybe a bit dubious in terms of if he fouled um, fouled the player or not, the, the Hoffenheim defender um, that obviously went to VAR, but uh, the goal was was allowed to stand. But even after that point. With all the momentum and, and goodwill in the world, Stuttgart were not unfortunately able to to really carve out a really big chance after that. Um, and the big thing is about Stuttgart because they have had a habit of scoring late goals this season. We've seen it a number of times uh, when we've been doing uh, the odd watch along. I remember very well um the time myself and Mark were doing uh, the double watch along and I was watching Stuttgart Hertha mm -hmm. and obviously Stuttgart scored really late on in the match to win it and uh, kind of felt like uh, they might have been able to suck the ball into the net and, and do another version of their their saviour against FC Köln last season when obviously Legendo Wataro Endo scored in, in the last minute to keep them from, uh, well, the relegation playoff spot again. Uh, we can look ahead and, and talk about playoff matches and, and what, you know, that might come to and, and predictions and whatnot, which is all very horrible again. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it, 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 as I say, I think it just summed up our season, not being able to get that crucial goal um, at, at the time against the Hoffenheim side that, yeah, mathematically they weren't, they weren't completely safe, but yeah, they were safe. And, you know, they still found a way to go 1-0 up as well. A good, good goal in the end by Bebu. Um, Stuttgart had to score first. After that, I'm sure the job would have been billions times mm -hmm. easier um, to control the game in that sense. But yeah, they weren't able to. And, and that's that. They'll go into the relegation playoff place 
with at least more momentum than Hamburg, I can probably say that from a you know a motivational standpoint. Um, obviously, from what happened in the Schweizer on Sunday, um, so they've got to use that momentum and really charge at Hamburg and try and you know get on get their foot on the throat and and try and kill the game early. Perhaps not that they score many goals anyway, though. So yeah, <laughs> that's my two pence for it, um, especially for match week 34 and, and the season from a uh, striking point of view. Uh, chaps, any other thoughts, theories? Do, do we want to do some horrible predictions about the playoff match as well, which will be not fun for me? <clears throat> oh, good question. Yeah. I'm actually, I think I was saying before kickoff, we, we started the show, I'm actually quite optimistic for Stuttgart, actually. I, I just think... I think under Hernes they've been they've been good. I really do. I, I just think you know me and Peter did the watch along against Frankfurt a few weeks ago in the first half in that game. Oh, I thought they were really really good. They looked like a, a top half Bundesliga team to me at that stage. And for me, the, the result that's cost them is that one at Hertha. I mean, what were they doing there? They just didn't turn up in that game at all. Yeah. They should have been able to win that game, and that would have kept them up ultimately. But for me, the second half of the season, they've been more like a mid-table side. I really do. I was lucky enough to see them live when they played Cull, and they were really hot that day. They were fantastic, I would go as far as saying. Like, you don't see many games dominated from first minute to last, but Stuttgart were able to do that in that game. And I actually think it's been a real high-quality bottom half this year. You know, I think that the quality compared to the last two years was a lot better in the bottom half. I think there's a lot of half-decent sides. I think even Schalke are a good side on the day. Augsburg, you know, they, they finished the season appallingly, but for, for the first half, you know, in the first two-thirds of the season, they were very solid, I think. And even Bochum at home, you know, you don't want to go away to Bochum. They're a real solid team. Yeah. I think that, you know, no, in a way, nobody deserved to go down. I'd say only Hertha were really poor. Yeah, they deserve to go down, definitely, despite the late resurgence under Pal Dardai. But I think, um, yeah, the... Stuttgart are a bit unlucky, in my opinion, to be in the bottom three. Uh, for me, I think they will win. I think they'll win both legs, actually. I'm quite confident for them. I think I would go for a 2-1 a win at home on Thursday and then a 1-0 a win in Hamburg uh, next week. Oh, I'm going to go for a 3-1 aggregate win for your boys, Rory. Mikey, that's good. Um, Peter, do you share Mark's confidence? you back in um, VFB to, to hold out over two legs? Uh, I'm concerned. Um, I believe that's uh, that, that I mean, they've been fighting for promotion now uh, for five years. Uh, uh, the Adino, they were actually the last Bundesliga side uh, to ever be relegated from the top flight, uh, you know, when they were relegated these five years ago. Uh, I think they lead the Bundesliga with, with 70 goals, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, together. And they have a, uh, a triplicate striker set with Robert Glatzel, the former uh, Lautern and, and, and Mainz striker. Mm -hmm. uh, this kid Königsdorfer and, and uh, what's the other guy's name? D Dompe. Um, so they have a, a, a quality attacking set. Uh, of course, when we talk about Stuttgart and the relegation playoffs, it's worth noting that Stuttgart were the last top-tier side to actually get relegated in the relegation playoffs. Yes. Uh, that was against as the FC Union Berlin, uh, at the end of the 2019-20 uh, the campaign. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, I was I had some real nostalgia pangs uh, <laughs> when I was thinking about to that match. I was just thinking back to like Stuttgart in those days uh, with Benjamin Pavard still playing for them 
uh, Gonzalo Castro. I don't even think he was the captain at that point. Uh, and the first leg was awesome. It was a 2-2 draw. Mario Gomez scoring off the bench, uh, if, if memory serves right. So that was, that was a real classic old-school uh, Stuttgart side. I think it was a better side, uh, a much better side than the one that they have, they have now. Um, so I, I would be concerned. I mean, look, perhaps we do a watch time because it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a, a, a extremely lot of fun. These are these are two tradition, rich tradition based cl- uh, clubs with huge stadiums, and great fan bases, and uh, you know it's 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 going to be an excellent playoff. So we shall see. But I'm concerned uh, for your boys. I, I if you if you're concerned, Peter, can I draw out a prediction then, please? <laughs> <laughs> Would you be so bold? Uh, yes, I will be so bold. I will okay. be so bold <laughs> to say that uh, highest foul uh, take the playoffs, low scoring, 2 1 on aggregate. Ooh, and calls, big are, are, are relegated. I will be so I'll bold. call you out on that one, Peter, if it's I'm wrong. <laughs> and I don't like any sports prognosticator. I don't want to be right. If that makes, <laughs> makes life no fun. Well, <laughs> right. So, well, for my for my two pens as well, I'm um, I'm gonna back the lads to do to do the job. I'll uh, I'll go I'll go three one as well. Three one over over two legs. Um, yeah. I never thought I'd say this as well, but um, can we get Dan Axel back as soon as possible? Because he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's turned out to be a cult hero, hasn't he? The last uh, four um, five games. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I'll say free one. Uh, play with that one, right? and, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll move on because we've only obviously we've got about fifteen-ish minutes left, um, and probably still a few bits to cover. And we'll move on to to what happened in uh, the battle, the race for the top four, the final top four spot, and we'll kind of uh, uh, glaze over the rest of the European spots as well. Um, but yeah, the main the main race on on Saturday was between Union Berlin and Freiburg for that coveted uh, Champions League spot. Uh, obviously, we now we now know what happened, uh, but this was one that was uh, topsy turvy in the sense that Freiburg led um, in Frankfurt thanks to a uh, back post header by Vincenzo Grifo. Uh, also adding to his chances of nearly getting the top goal scorer, um, I think, because he ended on 15 goals, I think, and was really close as well. Um, it was quite fortunate because the cross-in from Roland Shalai was deflected or headed on by Tuta perfectly for Grifo to arrive to make it 1-0 in what had been a quite a tense first half. I think only chances maybe for Rolo. Uh, um, Kolo Moani, can't get me words out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at half time, they were leading and Union Berlin were drawing. So therefore, they were taking the spot. Uh, and Union pushed and pushed and pushed until um, Rani Kadira came up with the goods with a lovely um, finish, cool under pressure to, to put it in at the far right hand post, uh, obviously to. To put Union one goal ahead, um, this all then tied in with a very late uh, comeback by Frankfurt, uh, which uh, the equalising goal was put in uh, by Kolomwani, a fantastic header, power header um, from, I think, a Kamada cross, uh, which made it 1-1. 
which obviously wasn't good enough anyway for Freiburg. They they pushed forwards trying to get that goal. I think Ritsu Doan and Grigorzic had chances themselves. And then uh, Frankfurt hit the lead uh, late on. Um, Mbimbe getting on the end of a, a ball that fell his way inside the penalty box and, and making no mistake to make it 2-1 and take the top four spots and hopes away from Freiburg. Um, before we come on uh, to Freiburg being runners-up in this race, shall we say, first of all, Union Berlin in the Champions League is just utter ridiculous brilliance. Um, it's fantastic. What a story, um, you know, representing <clears throat> East Berlin. Uh, just, yeah, brilliant to see and, you know, They've done it their way. Uh, I think it's the best way of putting it. Um, I'll come to you on this one, Peter, from an union sense. Uh, the achievement, how can we put this in terms without going too over the top? But I feel a bit of over the topness is sometimes needed with these things. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I left my prop from a couple of weeks back in the other room. I could, uh, nah, no sense in getting it now. Uh, but, um, yeah, this is this is obviously huge, and the fact that Rani Kadira uh, scored the goal, I think, made it ever more special. It was actually a pretty rubbish match uh, <laughs> watching it, but uh, um, yeah, look, we people say, well, if Bayern keep winning the title, how is German football interesting? Uh, I do believe the story of Erste FC Union Berlin, uh, Berlin is incredibly interesting. Um, this is this was the non-communist East German club. This was the club of Nina Hagen and Wolf Biermann. Uh, they have a wonderful stadium. I, I believe um, they were forced to play in the Olympiastadion the first year that they qualified for the Conference League, and then they were allowed to move the Europa League over to the Stadion on Alte Festerei. Um, but Please put them in the Olympia Stadion for the Champions League. <laughs> uh, let's do it. I mean, we got 22,012 uh, in Kopenick there, or we can have uh, 80,000 in the Olympia Stadion uh, uh, backing Union Berlin. Um, it's uh, all done. It was all done. It was, it was a club that was built the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do Union Berlin have investors? Do they have sponsors? Yes and yes. Did Union, Union Berlin back the uh, uh, financial reform that was defeated? Yes, they did. So did Freiburg. Uh, f- so these are, you know, clubs that, uh, all right, it's not, uh, you know, they have some money coming into them. That much is true. But really, it is the fans who make it happen. They own this yeah. club. They they run the supervisory board uh, uh, meeting. And look, that, so so Bayern won the title 11 years in a row. We got Union Berlin in the Champions League next year. Eisen Union. Uh, and, you know, one of these days on these podcasts, I'm going to have to put some tunes on so that we can sing along. Uh, you know, I will teach anybody who wants to learn it the Eisen Union uh, anthem. I, I had the privilege of singing it with the fans back in 2007 when they were a semi-pro side <laughs> playing in the fourth division. I will teach anyone. I will take anyone to watch that match. Uh, I absolutely will. Also, excited to see Darmstadt and Heidenheim in the league uh, next year. Take anybody to go see them as well. Take anybody to go see any Bundesliga match anywhere, anytime. 
because it is the best fan scene uh, in all of world football. And it is, in my biased opinion, the best one and the best league in the world. So don't worry about Bayern winning the title, people. It's, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, got absolutely. so many interesting storylines. Uh, yeah, and there's some nice, nice chat uh, comments coming in from, from <laughs> Bristol Funk. Uh, which is a great name, um, just incredible. Union Berlin, hats off to them. Yeah, um, amazing stuff. Um, Mark, and then do you want to just uh, cover Freiburg? Of course, there'll be disappointment for Christian Streich and Co. that they couldn't quite get over the line. Um, you know, they at half time were, were there, uh, but they couldn't quite hold on uh, in the end. And obviously, they lost on the day. Uh, but, and again, we'll kind of cover these teams in more detail in terms of their entire seasons. But, um, you know, just hats off to them for, you know, going against the grain again and, and proving to be, a you know, a fine Bundesliga side and they'll, they'll compete well in the Europa League again next season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I think for me, Champions League, it's not going to disappoint them too much because it's been another amazing, amazing season for Sport Club uh, Freiburg. You know, I think Peter mentioned Union Berlin, but what, one of the things I personally love about the Bundesliga is there's so many lovable clubs that just like continue to punch way, way, way above the weight. You know, I mean, obviously, Union Berlin are the top overachievers, but Freiburg are a very, very close second. And probably followed a little bit further down by obviously Mainz null Fumpf as well. Like these clubs, if you look at the overall wage budget for the Bundesliga, these clubs are all way down in the bottom half of the budgets, you know. And like the fact that they, I think Mainz is second or third bottom of like the whole the whole league. But obviously focusing on Freiburg, they're round about the middle now, but only because of Europa League football last season. Really, I think probably uh, two or three years ago they would have been down in thirteenth, fourteenth for the budget, you know. Obviously, now they've got the Europa Park Stadium, which helps them to get more people in the ground. Like they fill that every week, you know, 40,000. You know, that's been a great story for them as well, because when you first build a new stadium, you don't always know if it's going to work out. But so far, it's been superb for them. You know, the atmosphere is brilliant every week. The fans love it. You know, Freiburg are just another brilliant, brilliant story. And, you know, it's going to be fantastic to see them in the Europa League next season. Obviously, getting to the final of the Pokal last year, another semi-final this year. Obviously, they messed up that semi-final, but Christian striking it. I just love the relationship that that club has with just, it seems like such a family club, you know, like they absolutely adore strike. Like he could get them relegated to the Dritte Liga. And I think they'd still keep him as manager, to be honest, because they love him so much, you know, like he's just a hero there. Streich, I've referred to Christian Streich on this podcast as a national treasure, and I'm not exaggerating there. I mean, he's been, uh, he came up through the youth system. So he's been, that's the, the only club that he's actually worked as a coach for yeah. uh he's been in charge since 2011 um he is sort of the in a, he's the intellectual successor to the legendary freiburg coach uh volker finke and uh an interesting note about heidenheim um who are i mean they were a consolidated club and they they had some help from a local business a bank i believe but um the only they are headed to the bundesliga under the only only the second head coach in their history frank schmidt who has been in charge since 2007. <laughs> so I saw uh, that the weekend. Yeah. I was so shocked. 16, yeah. 17 years. Wow. Absolutely. So yeah. So you have in Christian Streich and Frank Schmidt, 
you have two guys who are like the the actual fatherly figures who have who have seen you know have led this club and who have you know groomed all of the young talent and and seen them all through that's going to be amazing in the bundesliga next season that we have two coaches that are so tenured um, yeah. yeah absolutely and then we'll just finish <laughs> off then last couple of minutes uh because Frankfurt, of course, uh, sorry, Leverkusen, of course, uh, they did lose to Balkan, but somehow held on to sixth spot. Uh, as we saw Wolfsburg throw away their lead, um, their early lead against Hertha uh, to eventually succumb and lose to the already already relegated uh, Berlin side. So we, I think we were talking off air about this, chaps, about... Um, about obviously the, the permutations of the Polkow final. Um, so Xabi Alonso is an RB Leipzig fan because uh, obviously if Frankfurt were to win, it would knock Leverkusen into the Europa Conference League instead. Um, so that would be an interesting to what, uh, one to watch indeed. Uh, it would be, well, disappointing for Leverkusen to drop down a competition. But nevertheless, you know, the job that Xabi Alonso has done since arriving has, has been very impressive, of course. Indeed, uh, Wolfsburg are a strange side for me. Uh, I don't want to get too into this because uh, just looking at time and stuff like that. But Nico Kovac, uh, you know, seeing his side go 1 0 up on the last day, trying to claim a European spot would have been encouraged just very quickly, Mark. Um, but, mm. you know, her to put up a fight for, um, you know, for Pal Dardai in his you know, potential last um, game uh, with the club. So impressive to see her to show in that fight, uh, but very worrying for Wolfsburg to throw that sort of a game away. Yeah, I mean, you've got a question whether Kovac is going to keep his job really now because, you know, for me, Wolfsburg have to be getting European football with that squad. Like, we've talked about the likes of Union and Freiburg and Mainz having small budgets and overachieving. Like, Wolfsburg are one of the teams that are underachieving. For This is the second season in a row now. Obviously, they got Champions League three seed. well, in the, yeah. what was it, the 2020-21 season. They got just about got Champions League. But European football is the minimum they should be aiming for. And that was just pathetic, rid of that second half, to be honest with you. I'm not going to... I mean, they knew if they won that game, they'd have finished sixth. You know, and then there'd have been guaranteed Conference League and possibly even Europa League. But that would have been OK. I, Wolfsburg have had a very strange season, I'm going to be honest with you now. Like, Wolfsburg, yeah. at times they have been very, very good. Like, they beat Freiburg 6 0. They beat Hertha in the reverse fixture 5 0 in the Olympia Stadion. You know, they beat Dortmund 2 0 at home, and they were brilliant on that day. But I don't know. They're a very strange club. Like, you know, the, the crowds haven't been very good this season for Wolfsburg. You know, the stadium's been half empty a lot of the time, which is not typical. Obviously, we know that in the Bundesliga, I think most teams sell out every week. You know, the Wolfsburg fans don't seem to be overly happy with what's going on at the club. I just think, yeah, is Kovac going to keep his job? My money will be on no, to be honest. I think they might fire him. And, you know, we've seen them change coach a lot in recent years, you know, especially since they lost Oliver Glasner, who was a bit more of a, a mainstay there. Obviously a quality coach, but, you know, they went through three last year and I think it's possible they might even end up with another one for next season. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I can see him getting fired, to be honest. 
I agree wholeheartedly. I've said before on this pod that if he doesn't get Champions League football, he doesn't deserve to remain in charge of the club. His tactics have been too avant-garde. They've been too inconsistent. <laughs> and Oliver Glasner is available. And mm -hmm. uh, he might be interested in coming back to Wolfsburg now that Jörg Schmatke is no longer there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's it was just not acceptable. And, uh, and they have to, uh, we're going to see a few, uh, trainers, managers, as you call them, trainers, as I call them, let go probably Fark in the next few days, uh, Mawson mm -hmm. maybe in jeopardy if they can find somebody better at Augsburg. Uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously if, if, if Stuttgart get relegated, well, no, they can't cause they signed Harness to this two year deal. Right? <laughs> we made the, the great foresight of signing him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyway, there, there's going to be lots, lots of movement, and you know the because the Bundesliga league season is is over does not mean that the Bundesliga will go quiet. Of course, there's going to be lots of interesting moves from a head coach perspective, from player perspectives, um, and new new heroes and and villains for us all to celebrate and and watch next season. Um, so I think just finishing off tonight, just to say. Thank you to everyone that's watched uh, this evening and throughout the season. Uh, we are not done. Uh, we have probably a couple more watch-alongs in us just yet. Uh, we've got a couple of... Uh, so we'll probably do a season review and an awards evening. They're always great fun to do from shows. Uh, see if we can get a couple of um, returning guests or, or kind of um, friendly faces on the show as well for those. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's been maybe my favourite season as well uh, mm. since starting doing the show. I think me and Mark were talking about this off air a while, um, well, the other day actually, and saying that, you know, it's had a lot going for it this season. Uh, it's been great fun and it went down to the last game um, of the season in many contexts. So, yeah, been great fun. So I'll, I'll hand over to you, Mark, to finish up tonight's review show. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Like, what what a season it's been. You know, keep keep following the Bundesliga. You know, so many exciting things to come. You know, as Peter mentioned before, Darmstadt and Heidenheim joining us potentially HSV as well. Who knows? But obviously, Rory will hope that doesn't come to fruition. But <laughs> we'll see over the next week or so on that. So yeah, if you enjoyed what you saw today, check out at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Don't forget to make uh, to go to our main site, which is otbfootball.net. And also, yeah, um, obviously, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. But we are getting closer and closer to that big target of a thousand, you know, which is, which would be a big milestone for us personally and professionally. But yeah, keep keep trying to get us towards that. We've still got more to come, as Rory said, and you know, we'll probably be going for the next two weeks or so, doing kind of uh, you know sum up shows and things like that to keep you guys happy so yeah we, we don't know when the next show is officially planned for yet but we'll definitely keep you in touch check out the twitter to follow that yeah so thank you very much guys and i'll feed us in from us always a pleasure cheers all.